says tech can't be human? Out of nowhere, just this flash of insight woke my wife up and asked her to write down some things. And 10 pages worth of notes later, the basis for the Network Sage platform came out. Welcome to the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast. Axonius has crossed the chasm, the first company to solve the cybersecurity asset management problem. Gartner has recognized cyber asset attack surface management chasm as a category in their hype cycle for network security 2021 report. Axonius gives its customers a comprehensive, always up-to-date asset inventory, helps uncover security gaps, and automates as much of the manual remediation as you want. Take a look at Axonius and give your teams time back to work on the high-value cyber initiatives they were trained to do. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. It wouldn't be a podcast, at least an interview podcast, if we didn't bring in a great guest. And that's exactly what we did this episode. This episode, we've brought in David Pearson. David is the co-founder and CEO of Seclarity.io. And maybe you've heard of something that he's built called Network Sage. But in any case, David has spent his career and focus on the red side, blue side, and deep in security research. David, we've been looking forward to speaking to you for a few weeks now. But most importantly, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Great to have you. We've been having some great conversations. You even hopped into Discord and hung out with us for a little bit. But for the folks out there that don't know who you are just yet, would love to hear a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. Yeah. So I spent uh, about 10 years now in the field. And as, as Ron mentioned, across quite a few different disciplines there. And, you know, after getting a couple of degrees at a couple of different schools that were both in security, but were very different in their nature. One was very hands-on, one was very theoretical. Then I spent a handful of years at one of the national laboratories doing all the things I can never talk about. That was a really great experience. After that, I spent about five years being the first and then running the threat research team for a company that was formerly known as Awake Security. And uh, then about a year ago, actually this week, a year ago, I left to start Seclarity.io with uh, my co-founder, Vladimir. That is awesome. And I would love to hear a bit more about, you know, this founder's journey that you found yourself in. I think in security, we find practitioners, you know, moving up the corporate ladder in some ways, going from researcher to engineer to architect to director to CISO. But You've decided to go a different path. Describe why you've decided that path and, and how that's shaped out today. Very much what you've described there. I did follow that traditional path at the beginning. Started off with, well, I guess the, the research stuff beforehand was a little bit different at the national labs. But after that, I did follow a, a relatively traditional path there where individual contributor, uh, junior on the team, became the, the the leader of the team and then started to build out a team 
and just kept getting deeper and deeper and more involved moving up executive wise as well. So I did, I did follow a lot of that from that perspective, but what I recognized was I didn't necessarily think I had the opportunity to have the impact that I wanted by working for one specific vendor. And that was really important to me. There's a lot of different reasons why people get into security. And the reason I'm in the field is it's really important to me to be able to affect change as widely as possible. And to do that, I didn't feel that being at one particular vendor, regardless of their their market space, et cetera, would enable me to be the best that I could and, and to offer the most that I could to the field. So that's where I really decided, okay, I need to do something that can be used by a variety of vendors and that can also be used directly by anybody who wants to do that as well. And that's essentially where my decision landed once I had already figured out the, the idea of what I wanted to build. So we were speaking last time, and the one thing that really resonated with me, and I'm sure it did with Ron as well, is this concept of building something from nothing. We sort of did that with the podcast. It was really slow starts. We focused on one show, and then it became a company. Then it became a network. And so truly building something from completely nothing, it almost... If you look at it hindsight, of course, it makes sense. But when you're starting in the beginning, it can be very daunting if you have any type of ambitious goal. Tell us a little bit about building something from nothing. Yeah. And what you guys have done is just fantastic. And I can only hope to have as much success as you. Oh, uh, appreciate that. But the uh, the something from nothing. Yeah, it's absolutely hard to work with. And you know, many people say there's no overnight success. And I, I really, really believe that. So the uh, building something from nothing is just, it's such a hard thing, right? Because you're starting with ideas, hopefully, and working with, you know, how does this actually work? Does this make sense? Do people need this, right? And kind of getting those first steps of, what really matters. That's a good starting point, but then you need to actually go and build something. And so the the path that I took was I spent a bunch of time, first of all, thinking, and I, I would like to mention how I, how I kind of frantically came up with my idea at some point. But anyway, I, I spent a lot of time where I was thinking through the problems And then I started building this prototype and I used one of those no code platforms because at the time I really wasn't coding as much as I thought I needed to be in order to build a real working prototype. So I started with a no code platform and started building on top of it, kind of just sussing out, did the things that I was doing make sense? And that took several months to really get down. Once I had that, I was pretty sure that what I was building was technically feasible and that was really exciting. But also I had a feeling that there would be a lot of people who would benefit from it. One, because 
in my former job, I would have benefited from it. It was something directly relevant to me. And I worked with many, many people over the course of the prior five years where I recognized, hey, they really, really could use this uh, capability too. So that kind of brought me to the point of, okay, I have a prototype that it technically can do what I need it to do in, in the high level of things. And I have a, a target audience that I believe I understand well, uh, partially because I was one of those targets. Then it became, okay, can I convince somebody else who actually knows how to build things to join me? And so that was where I started the co-founder search. I knew that I couldn't build everything on my own. I just don't have the technical depth across other infrastructure things. The, the thing that we're trying to build and we're very much in part done with this first version is something that will take a huge amount of data uh, and, and be able to use that and do it in real time. And that's not something that I had the skills to build. I knew that it needed to be cloud first and I knew that I needed somebody who really understood that kind of capability and knew how to build that. So I was able to find somebody, Vladimir, co-founder, who in his his uh, nights and weekends has been building these capabilities and making them very much real. So we went from this prototype uh, about a year ago to what is now a real thing that has APIs and has the ability to allow anybody to use it in a really meaningful way. And I'm really excited about that. It's taken a long time and we're, we're essentially at the beta stage of our APIs right now. So we're not yet opened up to everybody, but the feedback that we've gotten from the people that we've been working with is really exciting. And the last year has just been an absolute challenge to go from completely nothing to something that works and in my usage is providing a lot of value no we we definitely have to get to some of that as well <laughs> one thing i have to ask you about though is a little bit about your origin story because we've talked to hundreds of people at this point through the podcast and the folks that step out into the unknown the folks that build something from nothing the folks that are really trying to do something great and impactful a lot of this stuff really formulates earlier in life sometimes it's childhood sometimes it's the first job or college what was that moment in your life that really was pivotal and who you are as a person and really gave you the superpower that you have today you know, I was thinking about this earlier. I don't have one particular moment. I think the way my brain works, I am constantly in my head, kind of revising and strategizing on what the best David is. And so I spend a lot of time analyzing, I guess you could say, what makes the most sense for for me uh, to, to do and to be. And I certainly had plenty of really meaningful experiences as I was young. I grew up pretty poor, not quite food stamps, but we were close. So I, I went from complete insecurity in that perspective to setting myself up for success by having good luck and, and making sound investment decisions as time went on. But 
there's no one thing. It's it's this constant analysis that I do to determine how can I best provide value. And I think maybe two or three years ago, I recognized, you know, what's the best way for me to do that in the space with my skills? And that was where I realized that the thing that I wanted to do was provide the widest impact. So I think relatively late, so to speak, I was able to figure that out. But it's really been an evolution of sorts as time goes on. There's no one one particular thing that set me off. As you're speaking, I'm almost imagining this kind of like hero's journey. You know, you're talking about growing up without, you know, a lot of luxuries of life and ultimately making something out of nothing and having people around you that also help support you. And I think that's one of the one of the topics that we don't speak uh, enough about when it comes to a founder's journey and, and even what's in the mind of a founder is their support system. All of the great things uh, that their community and team members provide them. I can only imagine where I'd be if I didn't have Chris in my corner. If we didn't have our team and our coaches and, and all of our staff, we would be in a state of disarray, especially myself. But what about for you? What does the support system mean for you and how has it affected your work and your life? I'm glad you brought this up. Support is such an important topic and it's really important to me personally. While we didn't have the financial means necessary to have luxury when I was young, I certainly had a really great support system. My family was exceptionally supportive and always there for me, especially my mom and some other female figures in my life. Really early on, they just nurtured me, took care of me and really helped me to become somebody special. As time went on, I really was lucky to have good bonds as I went through. I, I recall really great friends as I went through my undergraduate and through graduate. I had several professors that I could really, uh, to this day, I, I can still talk to them, have the opportunity to chat, and really thank for some of their really great advice along the way. People who just genuinely cared and that continued on to this day. The last 10 years have been, well, 10 plus years at this point, have been very much supported by my wife, Jenny. She's been the absolute rock in my life to keep me sane, to keep me happy, uh, to keep me level-headed. And it's absolutely just fantastic to have so many people to draw on for very, very different reasons but to have such a, a great number of people who care and, and truly support me. This podcast is sponsored by PlexTrack, the proactive cybersecurity management platform, bringing red and blue teams together for better collaboration and communication. PlexTrack makes cybersecurity teams more efficient, effective, and proactive to help them win the right security battles. Aggregate security data from all of your sources, centralize remediation efforts, and deploy a purple teaming platform that facilitates your tabletop exercises. Claim your free purple teaming research report and book a demo of PlexTrack by visiting plextrack.com forward slash Hacker Valley. That's P-L-E-X-T-R-A-C.com forward slash Hacker Valley. 
you know, when we talk about the people that support us and surround us, one thing that sometimes gets missed is what's occurring in the mind. We talk, we talk about the mind last time when we spoke, we, and you just mentioned it again about how you're always like reassessing who you are and how do you show up in the world? Give us a peek into your mind. Like, what does your mind look like from a day-to-day perspective? Because I think much like you, my mind is always racing with ideas and concepts and reiterating over and over about decisions. Tell us a little bit of what it's like to be in your mind. This will be interesting. So it's a probably a little bit of a scary place uh, for, for a lot of people. I Honestly, I think I, I exhaust myself with the amount of thinking that I do. I'm just constantly on in that perspective. And, you know, there are a lot of different things that I think about. I've, again, going from nothing to having the opportunity to step away for a year now and support myself and my family. That was something that took a lot of de- deliberation and a lot of effort through the years in refining and evolving investments, for example. So I spent a lot of time thinking about those kinds of strategies to keep myself and my family supported while learning to build new things and learning which way to go. From the perspective of my brain with respect to security, it's a constant evaluation of what kinds of things are possible. What do people think aren't possible? How can I discover something new and that's a lot of what what we've been doing with network sage is trying to figure out what do people think is impossible from this perspective and how can we achieve that successfully repeatably so spending all this time really working through problems and and oftentimes it's not i I go with a particular problem in mind. Sometimes it's giving myself the space to think and not having any one particular agenda, giving my mind the ability to wander and land on something and sometimes uncover something that I hadn't previously thought about. That's actually very much relevant to how the, uh, the company idea in the first place. So I would love to hear a bit more about you going through this process, almost almost more of the story of leading this to be something successful. You know, you're, we spoke a bit about building something out of nothing and having the right support system, dissecting the mind. Now, how do you put all of this into practice, especially when there's other people involved? How do you approach, you know, building this company and being a leader as a founder? So the way I try to do this is, you know, we're a small team. It's just uh, my co-founder and me. And what we do is we keep our overhead exceptionally low and, and time overhead most importantly there, right? So we're not spending a lot of time in meetings with each other, but we're each respectively getting our things done that we need to, communicating regularly, asynchronously, predominantly. And having the opportunity to reconnect when we need to face-to-face, so to speak, everything's virtual these days. But anyway, getting the opportunity to reconnect face-to-face when it's actually necessary instead of defaulting to that. So many people 
throw meetings on their calendar and just follow through the motions and don't really think about the negative aspects of how much time they're wasting. So we, we do a lot of asynchronous communication. That gives me the freedom to spend a lot of time working on problems that if I had just clouded my schedule with meetings, wouldn't have time to do. So I split my time depending on the week. Sometimes it's completely skewed in one way or the other. I split my time relatively evenly between business development activities and social outreach and then technical work because we're a small team and I've got the security subject matter expertise. I really need the ability and the time and space to think about really hard problems and work through them. So I do a lot of time blocking focused on when do I know I have the ability to be more creative. Generally speaking, my brain works best in the mornings. And so I get the opportunity to really sit down for a number of hours uninterrupted and really think through hard problems, work through them and build something new. Then when I don't need to have every single brain cell working in concert, so to speak, I spend the rest of that time doing outreach uh, via different social media platforms. I think that's a really important part, something that I'm continuing to work on to get better at. Uh, and then also communicating with uh, potential uh, customers and, and uh, other partners. And that's really important to me uh, because especially in security, I don't think we should be all competing to solve the the thing in a completely different way. I'd like to see more collaboration, more work together. And that's something that's really important to me and was one of the big reasons why I wanted to build this company. I want to allow people to share insights in a meaningful way so that you don't have to have a million dollar budget to be able to handle the latest adversaries, for example. Let's speak a little bit about that time blocking that you're doing, you know, getting really focused and even the asynchronous communication that you have with your business partner. Sometimes when we speak, uh, even over Zoom, there could be lost context and even more so with things like email and even more so with things like chat or text messaging. One of the tenants that you were speaking about before was this concept of not overly reading into things too much. Can you tell us a story of why that was an important thing to talk about? Yeah. So the biggest challenges that I had in in starting a company and having some role models, but no, nobody who's precisely gone through what I've been going through recently that I could pick the brain of was just being able to understand that so much outreach will just completely fall on deaf ears, recognizing that's okay. It's okay that you don't get a response or you don't get a response quickly from somebody because not everybody has the time, not everybody. It's not about you. It's, it's about what they're facing in their life. And so one of the, one of the examples that came to mind was I was communicating with uh, a, a person who was the CEO of uh, an MSSP. And, you know, I spent a lot of time communicating with them and we, we were on good terms. So I knew that they would be responding. And 
then out of nowhere, I got a, uh, I had checked in with them and I got a very terse response. I think it was about three words. And that caught me off guard because they were always a, they they weren't necessarily verbose in speaking, but they were uh, jovial. They had, they had personality and this was not that. And so I immediately fretted. Uh, my mind went to dark places and I realized, you know, I need to step back away from that because there's probably more going on that I don't know. And about a week later, I had talked to them and I found out that they are actually splitting their company into two pieces and they were just incredibly busy and they didn't have time to send anything more complete at the moment, also because they were still working through some of those details. So in fact, it had nothing to do with anything related to to me or to my outreach. It was simply they had a lot on their plate. I've been running into that a lot. Fortunately, not as much now, but earlier in, in 2022 and in 2021, where people would go dark for a while. And I realized after several of these, we were simply running into people who had COVID and they just weren't physically able to respond to things and either things fell off their radar or they were delayed by by several weeks. And so that was, again, another thing where it has nothing to do with me or my outreach. It had to do with the environment and what they had on their plate. I love the rundown and, you know, walking us through that process and that story. It's making me think that you have this element of creativity, not necessarily think, but know and experience your level of creativity. So I would be curious to hear, you know, what are some of the the things that you do or the situations that you put yourself into that really provoke your creativity to start uncovering the problems and solutions like this? I feel like I have a lot of creative thoughts and it's something that I can't exactly pinpoint. Uh, I've, I've got creativity in some of my parents, uh, but, but it's, it's interesting to just kind of trace the lineage of what makes somebody curious. But anyway, the things that give me the opportunity to really think are not necessarily tying myself to a thought or to some environment, right? I like when I have the opportunity to kind of step out and have an idle mind, if you will. I, I feel like if I remember correctly, I was reading something, one of the great thinkers of, of modern times that might have been Steve Jobs, liked to give himself time to be bored. And bored is you know, a, a, a dirty word in many aspects today. But the, the point here is to give your mind time to combine thoughts, to reassociate new ideas, and to think about problems in a kind of subconscious way. It's where a lot of people, you know, if, they, if you think about studying for an exam in, in college or high school, where you, you're supposed to spend a night after you're studying to kind of solidify those thoughts. Similar ideas here where you're just giving yourself space to have these connections that you might not know on the surface that really work well. The things that I do on a day-to-day basis where I give myself this free space to think often fall around 
I, I've got two dogs and they like to go for walks. So it's convenient that we live in a place where we can go for a walk pretty easily right outside of our house. And we'll go for a nice walk where I don't really need to think about anything other than making sure that they're safe. And so that gives me space to just simply have ideas and let my brain wander. On a semi-regular basis, I'm a big bicyclist, a road cyclist. And so when I'm fortunate enough to have space where I don't have to worry about cars or anything like that, again, my mind wanders quite a bit. This happens when I'm running too, where I just have this space to, uh, you know, I have this this thing that I'm doing that's keeping me occupied and it's relatively challenging. So I don't need to, I, I don't have the ability to think incredibly hard about something, but then my brain is able to go off and do its own thing. And I've had numerous occasions where on a long bike ride or a long run, I'll come up with something completely new. And I, I alluded to the, the company creation or discovery topic, one of the, I'll briefly mention that that came on a four hour car ride, just in the middle of the, the day, we we're driving back, uh, my wife and me, and had out of nowhere, just this flash of insight, and woke my wife up and asked her to write down some things. And 10 pages worth of notes later, the basis for the Network Sage platform came out. Mm. That's crazy. That's, uh, that's, that's just how my brain tends to work. I, I used to, when my, when my wife was still an undergrad in upstate New York and I was in Pittsburgh for grad school, I'd spend four or five hours each way driving to and from probably every other week. So I got into this time where I had, and had a lot of things to do. Grad school was hard. But I also had this space to kind of give myself the opportunity to think. And I think I kind of developed a, a knack for using that time wisely. So there's so many things that people should be picking up from this entire conversation, whether you're talking about how to really harness the busy mind, how to harness that mind that's always in overdrive, and even some tips about time blocking and asynchronous uh, communications and things like that. But there's someone that's listening to this podcast that much like us, mind is always on, but unfortunately, they don't get the time to sit and think. They don't drive anymore, so they don't, they don't have that alone time. What are some other ways that you would have them build that time in order to create, in order to think into their daily life? It might sound silly because it's kind of cliche, but I often start thinking about things and have these epiphanies in the shower too. And I think most people probably shower every day or close to it. So these little time blips where you're, you're not particularly focused on a hard to do task, but you have this opportunity to kind of step away and have a little isolation. Those are really good opportunities where these things kind of solidify and, and pop out at you. Out. Standing, David. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to hop on the mics with Ron and myself. For those out there that want to stay up to date with you and all the incredible things that you have going on in your world, what are the best ways that people can do that? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at 0xDavid, 
and uh, at my network sage as well. And LinkedIn, David B. Pearson, and then uh, seclarity.io. Excellent. We have all of those links in the show notes for everyone to stay up to date with you, David. Really appreciate the time. And with that, we'll see everyone next time. If you found value in this content, it would mean the world to us if you shared it on social media, sent it to a friend, or talked about it over coffee.